Okay, Mr. Hashem is Barach. Hopefully we'll try to do it loud enough that the sound isn't going to affect us, that sound from the outside. It's actually Shaykh to the Parsha, because we know by Moshe Rabbeinu when he went up to Har Sinai, and he was coming down, and he hears Kol right? He hears a sound in the Machne. The Pasuk says, and he turns to, um, to Yoshua and he says, it's a sound of iniquity, the sound of like a very intense sound coming from the Machinet. And the Ramban actually asks, why was Moshe Abinu asking in this like vague way of, it's not a call this, it's not a call that. He, he clearly hears there's some type of noise, some type of ruckus going on down by the Machinet Yisrael. Why is he speaking in such vague terms? The Ramban says, Moshe Abinu was the Av of, Kola, of all the Chachmas. Says the Ramban, he even was the Av, the Chachma of music. He knew even every sound. He was such a. The Ramban says about Moshe Abenu that he knew every single sound and he was able to figure out what each sound meant. So why is he asking, Ain call on his Gvurov? Ain call on his He knows. The Ramban asks, Moshe Abenu knows. So the answer is the Ramban, no. You're right. In Hanami, Moshe Abenu knew what the sound was going on in the Machna Yisrael. But Mitoich an Venusai, because he was such an Anav, he didn't want to speak. He didn't want to speak Begnus Shel Yisrael. He didn't want to speak negatively about Klal Yisrael. So the question is, I mean, like, why is that called Anivos? Why is that called the humility? The fact that Moshe Rabbeinu knew what it was, didn't want to say what it was, and didn't want to speak negatively about Klal Yisrael. Why is it Anivos? That's like Gvura. That's like he, he, he knew what it was, but he was able to hold back. He was able to withhold himself. That could be simply the fact of Lashon Hara, the fact that he didn't want to speak bad about Klaiser. Why does Ramban say it's coming from Lashon Anivos? Why is it coming from a humility that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to speak negatively about Klaiser? So I thought maybe the idea could be, possibly, uh, I want to suggest, is that it's a big problem in life. It's very hard in life that when you know something to be true, this happens in relationships, this happens in the Chavrusas, whatever it is, you know deep down what the person's saying is not right, and instead you have to just hear the person out. Instead of just going in there saying, you're wrong, it's not right, it's not true, trying to get the last word in, trying to be the right one, trying to, you know, I have it a lot of times in class, I'll give a shear, and what, maybe let's say one of my students was saying something I didn't hear because I was speaking and they were talking while I was speaking, and then I'll say the idea and then one of the girls will be like, but Rabbi, I said, I was saying that. I was like, okay, but, okay, I didn't hear you. What matters is that it was said, what matters is that the truth, it doesn't matter that specifically you're the one that said it, didn't say it. That's anivos. It takes a certain level of humility to care more about the, the product than, than to be right yourself. The fact that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't feel the need to be right, didn't feel the need to be the one to speak about Klai the fact that he had to show that he knew something that other people don't know, that takes a lot of humility. That's a tremendous, tremendous kayach of anivos. Being, being sometimes swallowing your pride, a lot of times in relationships with your wife, with our spouses, that we know something to be true, and you know what? You don't have to say the person's not going to hear you anyway, <laughs> even if they would hear you. You don't have to be the one that's right. You don't have to be the one. You can hold back. Because holding back on what, you, on what you want to say and what, being right and being, getting the last word in, that takes a tremendous level of humility. That's point number one that I wanted to speak about. But later on, as we know, speaking just about now, that there was the kol onos, was the kol onos of Klal Yisrael. Unfortunately, the mute of Klal Yisrael, it was the Erev Rav, but the rest of the Eden didn't stop them, of the Egil Hazav. Yeah, do a terrible, terrible, horrible episode. To the extent that we know, the, 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 the Medjish tells us, that Klai Yisrael had reached the level of Ad Maharishan before the Chait. Before the Chait, the, 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 the Zuama, that the Chait of the Eitz Hadas had placed on us, Klai Yisrael had reached to such a Darga, by being the Kabbalah, the Torah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
pe'el pe'el from Hashem. That Klaiso reached such a high darga of Adam Harishan, Koydim Achet. And what happened? Until they did the Egel Azov, and then Chazru the Zuhama. The Gemara says this in Mesech Savarazara, Mesech Sanhedrin. Terrible, terrible, terrible situation. The Klaiso to tumble down to such a degree. Only how many days? How many days was it from Kabbal Satara? How many days? Wasn't that long, why? It's terrible, 39 days. That's amazing. You can fall so deeply. You can speak to Akadosh Baruch Hu and fall so fast. On their darga, obviously. We, we, we can't even be massing the darga. And then you sign that Klai Yisrael had at that moment. We have no idea what that means. The higher Kedusha you are, the higher, this, the, the stronger the Tuma is. But it's very interesting. Akash Baruch is very upset. And Hashem wants to destroy Klai Yisrael at this point. Hashem Mamash wants to destroy Klai Yisrael. And the, the Pasuk says something amazing. Obviously, Moshe Abenu, Moshe Abenu Kiyadua, Wants to help Klal Yisrael. Vayavoy, v'haya kavoy Moshe Ohelo Yerid Amr Hanan v'Omar Pesach Ohel v'Dibra Moshe Hashem is speaking to them, and Rashi Abinu argues for Klal Yisrael. How does he argue for Klal Yisrael? He acts as our, as our lawyer, as our defense lawyer. What does he say? He says, Vayoymer No imotzasi chayin beinacha. Hashem yelech na Hashem bekerbeinu. Right? Hashem, please come, come within our midst. Ki am kisha oyrefu. Right, there's a very famous. This is the kriya that we re- that we read. We read it on Tainus Esther. We read it all the Tainasim. Right, we read it all about when Klai Yisrael did the chait Egel Hazav. Hashem wanted to destroy us, and Moshe Rabbeinu defended us. And that's where we get the Yigimimidas Harachamim. But what does Moshe Rabbeinu? How does Moshe Rabbeinu, as a defense lawyer, usually as a defense lawyer, you want to make the case as as good for the defendant as possible. You want to make it that they didn't know, they were in a struggling situation, they were having a difficult time. You don't want to point out the negative aspects of the person. You never say to the person, I want you to know, this person is so incredibly stubborn. They're just the worst. Therefore, you should let them off the hook. That's not a reason. Why is Moshe Abinu arguing that Hashem shouldn't destroy Klal Yisrael, that Hashem shouldn't throw us away because I'm Kishore why is the Kosh Baruch Hu, why is Moshe Abinu defending? It's a rhetorical question. But why is Moshe Abinu defending Klal Yisrael based off of a bad midah that we have? Lachar, Am Kishorif is a horrible midah. It's terrible. It's not, it's not a good thing. Am Kishorif. Why is Moshe Abinu coming from the fact that Am Kishorif? Hashem, you should forgive our iniquities. So the fact that we're so bad, Hashem has to forgive us? The fact that we're so stubborn, Hashem has to forgive us? Lachar is the opposite. We should have, we didn't know. We had a headache that day. Whatever, whatever it would be. But something that's ingrained in us, the Am Kishorif, that's not a reason that Hashem should forgive us. So I, was, I, was, I had this question for many, many years. The Ramban sounds slightly similar to this, but it's, it's very clear in the Ralbag. The, the Malbin brings from the Ralbag, and the Ralbag brings Bashem his father. I don't, remember, I don't know who the Ralbag's father was, but the, maybe uh, Ralbag, Bag is maybe Ben, I don't know, but the Ralbag's father. Now I'll read to you how the Malbim explains the Ralbag, or he brings the Ralbag. The Ralbag b'shem aviv she'omar like this. The Ralbag says in the name of his father, she'acher she'hem am kishe'orif, because Kalal Yisrael is an am kishe'orif, ve'ein ma'aminim teichef etamid, v'tamid mistapkin, they're constantly, the Jews, we're constantly unsure, we're skeptical. We never fully buy into something right away. We're always constantly teetering on the edge between believing, not believing, Agree with you, not agreeing with you. Not going to take what you're saying at face value or not. That's a midah of stubbornness. Someone doesn't just take it right away. So says the Rabbag Nachama, since they're, since they're constantly misopic, they're constantly unsure. V'tamin misopakim, they're never sure. L'umah zeh derech anashim ke'ele, 
Here's the problem. That sounds like a bad thing. It's actually a beautiful thing, says, says the Ralbach. That those types of people, that once they have come, once they have actually come to full belief, their amuda becomes so strong. Their faith becomes so intense, so, so powerful, that what's going to happen? Once they get to a place of full amuna, they'll never leave. They'll never leave. Yes, it's a tough midah. It's a midah that causes us to be skeptical. It's a midah that causes us not to take things at face value. It's a, it's a midah that makes us stubborn and difficult and frustrating and annoying. To put, this is not this is, this is already Moshe Rabbeinu, right? But what's the idea? But when we fully come out to true belief, when we come out to true emes amuna, we'll never leave it. And the history of Klal Yisrael, as much as Hashem is Baruch, we should have more and more numbers. And right now the numbers in terms of who's a Maimon, who's not a Maimon, is unfortunately we have to turn that number over. But in terms of the core of Klal Yisrael, we'll never have a, a point where Klal Yisrael will never be forgotten, we'll never leave. Baruch Hashem. Not a bullet, not a sword, not a fire, nothing. Not a gas chamber will ever take that away. Nothing will take that away. Because yes, yes, we're not sure. But the fact that we have ironclad amuna, the ironclad amuna that's built into our bones. My Rebbe says a beautiful word. My Rebbe says, any Jew today, whether or not he's religious or not religious, but someone who self-identifies as a Jew, if they're from, they're not from, doesn't matter. In that bloodstream, seeped in that blood, is a blood of Messias Nefesh. It's a blood that somebody at some point in your family made a decision that was forced with the decision, either convert or die. Either convert or get out. The fact that today, in the 21st century, that somebody's still putting on tefillin maybe once in a while, the fact that somebody still calls themselves a Jew, it means that at some point in that family, somebody made a strong decision and a tough decision and a decision that stemmed from being an Am That's a Geval de that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was arguing for, Tash Baruch That was the, the best defense you could possibly imagine. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, yes, we're difficult sometimes. Yes, it's frustrating. But they wish to look, look there, there is later, a thousand years in the future, three thousand years in the future. Nothing's going to take us away. Nothing's going to stop us. Which means you have to know that ourselves personally, Baruch Hashem, that we have the supposed to be sitting in the Ola Shatara. That we're zayichet to sit and learn, even if maybe not our parents, our grandparents, but we at some point somebody made a strong decision. To stay from it. Very often, a lot of times, say, well, I'm religious, but someone in my family is not religious. But so what? But that family member, in order to be where you are today, made a decision for you to be the way you are today. It's not the same decision. Mir Sashem should make other decisions. But to, but to put it in the proper perspective that somebody had to make a tough choice, that means that you have that in your own blood. It's not just you, it's you're in your blood, it's in your DNA. Yitzhahara. Listen, Yitzhahara is Yitzhahara. It's the oldest thing in the world. It's the oldest thing in the world next to El Marishan, right? It was created after Eitzadas. It's such a concept. It's such a big yisoy to understand that idea. That we shtam, we come, yishtam means in Yiddish, we come from, we, we descend. We descend from people that were willing to fight or are willing to fight for our Yiddishkeit. It's a tremendous yisoy. But this idea, by the way, just to bring it out a little, bit, a little bit larger, bigger idea, which is that you can have something, a bad midah, but by the way, the Orchus actually has a general, a general belief. There's no such thing as a bad midah. Right? We haven't learned Orchus in a while, but that's the idea of Orchus There's no such thing as a bad midah. Even Kas, even Gaiva, each of those do not have bad midah. It's just a question of how you apply the midah. 
It's all in the shir. That's in Havdami. It talks about a recipe. You have to have too, a little salt, a little pepper, not too much salt, not too much pepper. But it all depends on how we apply it. You see the same idea, stubbornness. When someone's in action, when someone's stubborn, I'm kishoreth. What does that do? It's all a question of how you apply it. But it has a good meter behind it. There's actually a very famous story. That so, I'm not going to say the names of anybody who. But there was a particular gadol that, peop- that one particular person went in to go meet with this gadol. He called him very, very stubborn. He walked out of a meeting with him. And they, the, way they, the way they defined this person as stubborn is that, he, is that he was so stubborn, he thought everybody else was stubborn. You hear the idea? To be so stubborn that you think everyone else is stubborn, that's a real level of stubbornness, right? Because obviously, you're not wrong. The other person's wrong. Right? Oh, so, oh, well, yeah. Well, we're talking about Gadol Yisrael, but it's not so. So it's very interesting. This person was speaking negatively about a particular Gadol. He came to, to Eretz Yisrael and met with one of the Gadol Hador, and he walked out of, the, uh, out, of the, out of the meeting with this Gadol, and he said, oh, he's so stubborn. That's what he said. And they said about this Gadol, who said about the other Gadol, so stubborn. Oh, he's so stubborn because he thought Yenon was stubborn. Hear that? So somebody was saying it in a negative way. And I think that somebody misunderstood the godless of that Gadol. Because first of all, number one, it's Zilzal to talk about Gadol Yisrael that way. Bechlau, in general, it's awesome. But specifically because it lacks the nuance of understanding human nature. Human nature is, is that specifically at that context, this particular Gadol was living, was an American Gadol. He was living in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, where the idea of sitting and learning in yeshiva and learning and having like, your life dedicated to Torah was a completely foreign concept. And this particular person came and made the entire idea popular. He created the concept of what we have Torah in America today. I'm not going to say who, but the point is, is that I don't want to say who. But to understand, in order for that particular person to do what he did, he needed to be stubborn. So it's not a negative. I don't want to say names, but, but that particular person, in order for him to do what he needed to do, he needed to be stubborn. So it's not a psal, it's not a chisarn by that person. Adarabah, in order to establish what he established, you have to be stubborn. There's a very famous book, it's called All for the Boss, right? Chaim Picha Scheinberg's father-in-law, All for the Boss, right? Yaakov Yosef Herman, Yaakov Yosef Herman, Scheinberg's shver. So in that, has anybody read the book before? It's Mamash Kedai. When you read it, if you would apply what he did today, what he did then today, you'd be completely meshugah, right? So people say, ah, look, he was, he was too extreme, he was too intense. To do what he had to do, you have to be Meshuggah. To do what you had to do. I, I read the book to understand what I'm, what I'm referring to specifically. But we're saying certain things. He made certain things into big, he made big deals about certain things, and he, he made a lot of campaigns and efforts and did a lot of things. That today, people would think you're absolutely insane. But in those days, no one else was doing it. To live in the early 1900s in America where there was no Yiddishkeit, there was no Torah, there was no nothing, you had to be crazy to do that. Other that's a good craziness. I mean, it's all in context. Midas is all about how you apply them and in which context you apply them. You need to have that understanding that everything needs to be applied in proper measure and in proper place. You should learn that lesson from Kalal Yisrael itself, from us, from our own, own Midah. It's difficult sometimes, but it has a good Midah. It's a good Midah that can be applied positively and we can learn within ourselves to tap into our own spiritual energy of how we can be the Akshanim, that in a time of danger, in a time of struggle, in a time of challenge, you can be the type of person that is not going to let the challenge kill us. If anything, it's going to build us. Lo yasuru mimenu la'olam, says the Rabbah. We're never going to let anything stop us from Yiddishkeit. We should be zoycheh. Wonderful Shabbos.